0: We're there to make sure that you have fun and that you drink and that you, you know, take pictures. And that way you can go back home and tell your friends, oh, my God, I had the absolute best time in the world. What I'm navigating right now is trying to make sure that that is still a thing that happens. But drop Mm -hmm. a little bit of truth in there and a little bit of current events, what's going on, just so that we're not completely oblivious to the fact that Black lives Mm. still matter. Not just because everyone protested about it a couple years ago, they still matter.
1: Hi, I'm Brittany, and this is For Colored Nerds, the weekly show where we peel back the layers of Black culture we rarely discuss in mixed company. This week, we're taking a trip to Provincetown, a.k.a. P-Town, Massachusetts, the popular beach getaway for gay tourists and the backdrop of the Welcome to Provincetown podcast. The show follows host and audio documentarian Mitra Kaboli as she spends her summer experiencing the parties, people, and history of P-Town. P-Town is also home to one of the most competitive drag markets in the country. With shows and performances every night of the week, it can be hard to stand out in a crowd. Enter singer, songwriter, and drag entertainer Kaya Kristal. As the it girl of P-Town, she is the most sought-after entertainer in the city and performs six nights a week for about half the year. Today, we have Kaya on the show to talk about her artistry, what she's learned during her time in P-Town, and what it's like to be a working drag performer in the era of RuPaul's Drag Race. All that and more after the break. Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince. Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie, and fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Crystal is a singer, songwriter, actor, dancer, and all-around drag performer based in Provincetown, Massachusetts. If you ask around, she's the reigning queen of P-town with a one-woman show that blows audiences away night after night. Kaya doesn't just lip-sync, she is singing. Her current one-woman show is Kaya's story set to music. What it was like growing up as a young queer person in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Her experiences studying music and discovering herself at the Berklee College of Music in Boston. And her eventual journey to P-Town. But there is so much more to Kaya that she shared with me in our talk. And I can't wait for y'all to hear it. So without further delay, here's Kaya. So because your singing talent is such an important part of your act. I want to know, like, how did you get started with music and performance?
0: Some people say that they come out of the womb singing, and uh-huh. I lived that experience. You know, I was three years old. I'm Every Woman by Whitney Houston had just come out on the radio, mm-hmm. and my mom was like in the kitchen, and she discovered me singing along to those lyrics. And I, of course, had no idea what I was saying at the time, but I was just singing along with it. And When my dad got home from work, my mom was like, you have got to hear this because this is something. And my dad was like, oh, this is something. And so immediately into the church, church choir, Mm. Wednesday choir rehearsals, like Sunday school and then church. That's what it was like growing up in a religious family. Mm. It was considered a gift. And I've always thought of it as a gift. And I still think of it as a gift.
1: I'm amazed that that was the first song that you were singing as a child because <laughs> that song is foreshadowing, Mama. <laughs> Note wise, though, okay, Shaka Khan and Whitney—they're in. They're singing like in their chest throat voice, high up. Oh yes, like that's not an easy song to sing. I know that had to blow your I mind. I mean, you're right. It, I'm every woman is not an easy song to sing. I yeah. should know that. I do
0: it six nights a week. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I mean, I guess the best word to describe it is fate. You know, it mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but they were in tune enough with music because my dad is a musician as well. He played with several mm. bands, w- an excellent bass player. He was great. And he was like, oh, this this kid's got something that needs to be nurtured and needs to be blessed and anointed by God and that
1: basically explains like the first 18 years of my life it was a gift from God that was very anointed and then you end up going to like study music at college but not like any college like one of the best music conservatories in the country went to berkeley college of music yes, like how did you get from missouri to to boston to go to berkeley like what was that experience like i imagine it was like a big not just culture shift, but also like in your musical training, it must have been a big change too. Oh God. Yes. And
0: I, so I knew from the time that I was like growing up, I was like, there's much more of the world to see. There's so much more to see. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I need to get out there. And I, from very early on started to notice a lot of my friends settling. I was fortunate enough to go to a school that encouraged the arts before All of that got pushed to the side in terms of like efficiency and like test scores Mm. and all that. So Mm. I was part of one of the last classes that actually got to really do like choir and band and orchestra and plays. And then I got to do like you really
1: had arts in the schools when you were in like high school and everything like that. Yes.
0: That in and of itself was something that I was like, okay, so I know that I need to continue doing this. And that's when I applied just out of the blue for Berkeley. I was like, you know. High in the sky. (laughs) If I get it, I get it. (laughs) If I don't, I already have a college in my hometown that I could go to. But when Mm -hmm. I got that email from Berkeley, being like, you
1: have been granted early acceptance. I said, I'm leaving. Goodbye. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. How did that training and being in Boston and everything like that affect your artistry as a musician?
0: Well, it was huge in so many ways because I went from a town of, like, maybe five to 7,000 people to Boston, had over Mm -hmm. 500,000 people. And not only that, but Berkeley is in the middle of so many colleges. It was a huge culture shock because I was just like, well... Okay, so this is what life is like. And then Berkeley itself, representing 83 different countries. I met so many people all at once. And to say it was overwhelming is an understatement. But I just remember Mm. being so happy to, like, learn.
1: And how did you get into drag? Like, when did drag become a part of, like, your performance style?
0: So when I was 21, I remember coming out to my parents back home And they were like, "Mm, not into it. And I was like, okay, well, but this is who I think I am. And they were like, yeah, who you think you are. So mm, 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 no. And I was like, well, I can either tell you about what I'm trying to explore and what I'm trying to discover, or I can not do that. And they were like, well, we'd rather you not. And I said, okay. I left, went back to Boston and didn't look back. And I discovered machine and club cafe and just all of these bars and nightclubs where gay people existed. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh wow, I can do that. I can do that. I can do it." You yeah. know, and coming from a very religious upbringing where all of that was shunned and tamped down and we don't talk about that. We you know, we don't we don't believe in it. To see people just thriving in their own element, I was like, I can do that. And then I met some people Mm -hmm. along the way that were very helpful in pulling me the rest of the way out of the closet, because I was like, out-ish... But once I found out that I could do drag and sing and act and dance and do everything, I was
1: like, oh, mama, there is no stopping me. (laughs) By the world. Excuse me. I'm about to take it over by storm. So how do you feel that drag adds to or augments your performance as a singer?
0: It's like a superhero. You know, it's like Hmm. me putting on my armor, me putting on my cape to go and spread love and peace and kindness and above all, joy. To mm. anyone that I come into contact with, which is a bit of a recent development, you know, I used to hide behind it almost like a mask, mm. literally because I'm painting my whole face. But, <laughs> but <laughs> then um, living in Provincetown, I have discovered, especially over the past couple years, when we've been dealing with COVID, monkeypox, yeah, global warming, abortion laws, and it's been nuts. I've realized that being able to get into this gorgeous garment, making myself look beautiful, has inspired me to feel beautiful. And then I can take that and project that into my audience. And that's sort of my goal for this season, especially 2022, because we're not out of the pandemic yet. Yeah. Like, we're still in it. It's not over. And now I'm taking the time to sort of figure out how to incorporate that aspect into my drag while also trying to make people forget about their problems, while also trying to make sure that people leave with a smile on their face and also make sure they tip Mm. (laughs) because a queen still has rent to pay. So, you know, it's, it's a huge machine
1: that I'm tackling every day. So interesting. Like when you put it like that, that is something that a lot of like that that so many performers and pop stars do get into like put the face on, get into costume, get into character. And it's really interesting that you talk about sort of like that transcendence, the transcending, like using your look as a way to hide and into like thinking about how your costume or your look or whatever it is allows you to actually do the thing that art is supposed to do, which Mm -hmm. is like to connect with people And to help them access their emotions and to put joy out into the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm looking at you right now. The audience can't see, but I mean, you look fantastic. Oh, thank you. You've got the long, (laughs) cascading, dark curls. A really beautiful, like, emerald, like, bedazzled, like, like sequined... Gown. This is a a full head-to-toe look, and we're talking in the middle of the afternoon. You have a look that full, like, elegance glamour it really feels like nightclub siren like a night like a classic nightclub singer we we're talking about like what Sade is doing in a lot of her videos <laughs> I love Sade so much oh <laughs> but you know but you have this very distinct very glamorous style that feels like it's drawing upon a lot of different periods and eras and you've spoken about some of the inspiration behind your style a little bit on Welcome to Provincetown. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm curious if you could give us a little bit more background as to like what your style is and how you developed it.
0: So my style, first and foremost, is modeled after my grandmother who passed away last year. Um, And yeah, it's, girl, it's been, oof, it's I'm been sorry. tough. But you know, what's been very interesting is I, they say that energy is never created or destroyed. It's just shifted, you know what I mean? So as it helps me get through, I feel her spirit and her energy inside me whenever I go out to do, um, a show specifically. But, you know, I find myself just having moments where I'm like, grandma, I know you're here and I see you. And I just want you to know that you're here. She, every Sunday, every single Sunday, and this is a woman that worked hotels, a woman that worked mm-hmm. retail. I mean, she did what she had to do to provide for her children. She did what mm. she had to do. But above that, her commitment to looking elegant was instilled in all of her kids. Mm. And so that in turn, when my mom you know, passed on to me and I just knew that there was a sense of purpose. When you put something on that makes you feel good and look good and you get that attention. Mm -hmm. And every Sunday, my grandma, every Sunday would step from her house in a full three piece church suit with matching hat and shoes every Sunday. And I just remember looking at her in awe. And I was like, this is a goddess that is walking among us. And it was amazing. And my mother also knew how to dress to impress. Mm. So that's where it comes from initially. And then I discovered like the Billie holidays and the Lena horns and the Bessie Smiths. And that is sort of the level that I want to bring to my performances. Like who I am is elegant and what I want to portray, what I want to put forth, what I want to send out to the people is a level of black excellence Mm. that is accompanied by, talent
1: just from the responses that that i heard from people who are familiar with your work or come to see your shows when i was listening to welcome to provincetown i mean you were called like the it girl of summer 2021 (laughs) and seriously i remember
2: thinking what does it mean to be the it girl one girl
0: she's gorgeous (laughs) um she just puts a lot of effort in and you can see it people can see
1: it people like her she has the charisma well kai is a phenomenon that you know, blasted into town a couple of years ago, and you know, she appears at just the right moment.
2: Have you seen her perform on Tuesday nights at the club? I met when she first got here. she was good, but she's really perfected her craft and her voice
1: and and uh, another thing I learned from listening to Welcome to Provincetown is that Provincetown has one of the most competitive drag circuits around, oh, yes, right. as you said, gayest town in America is one of the most competitive and like professionalize drag circuits around and that you are undoubtedly one of its biggest stars, if not its biggest star. That was something that came across very clearly. So like, explain like what makes the drag scene in Provincetown like so unique and how it's influenced your work. If anything, Provincetown
0: made me so strong mm. because there's shows everywhere. Shows are happening everywhere in town. I mean, there is not a single night in Provincetown from Memorial Day to Halloween that there is not a show happening every single night. And show, I mean shows. So I fortunately got to work with a lot of people and see a lot of people and hang out with them outside of the shows, Mm -hmm. outside of work that were able to tell me like, this is great, I like what you're doing and I see what Mm -hmm. you're doing, but I'm older than you. So I know Mm. where you can be. And if you take any advice from what I'm saying, just don't do this or do that. Work on this. Work on your personality. Work on your outfits. Work on your hair. Work on your... Rehearse. Sing. It it was so many things that came all together all in that first season that I was like, all right, I'm overwhelmed, girl. I'm overwhelmed.
1: (laughs) But I stuck with it you know you receiving that from people who were more seasoned than you were when you were earlier in your career and being able to pass that down it sounds like like this lineage of like mentorship that you were able to access by being in Providence very County. that very that and i took it took me a while it took me a couple summers cuz i was
0: like oh my god everyone hates me <laughs> why does everybody hate me i'm just trying to be cute and live my best life like leave me alone but once i sat down with myself and realized Mm-hmm. It's just people trying to tell me how I can be better. I switched from like glass half empty to glass half full, and was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. these people are taking time out of their day to help me be better. I need to listen." Yeah. And the best feeling in the world is when someone mm-hmm. tries to be shady and like telling you how you can improve yourself, and then you come back that yeah. next week taking the note, mm-hmm. and you are like, "Oh, <laughs> remember when you said I should change my outfits? Well, I did." And they're like, oh, "Well, I'm, I'm glad. Well, I'm glad I took your advice too. Thank you."
1: It's the best feeling. I mean, people are shocked sometimes when you're gracious. They, it's almost like they hate it. They hate it because <laughs> they try so they hard to it. like make
0: you feel like you're stupid or dumb or whatever. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. I saw what you were saying, and I took your note because it was a good note. And I'm coming back better. And now you don't have anything to read me for anymore because the thing that you were reading me about last week, mama... Not a thing anymore.
1: Mm. You know, you took in all of this feedback and accepted whether it was love or people trying to reach mm. you and failing. <laughs> but now, I mean, it seems like you have a very loyal following, and also that like people recognize you as a force to be reckoned with in this really competitive space. Like, oh yeah, when did you realize that like things were clicking? You had made it. You were on to something. Like, when was that moment for you? Oof. I
0: think this year, the year that I got my one-woman show at the Crown and Anchor called Queen of the Night, on top of having my one-woman show, I not quit my day job, but my boss and I had a conversation where he was like, you're doing six shows a week, Mm. six nights a week. I don't want you to get too burnt out. And I was like, you know, you have a very good point. And I was thinking that myself, and I don't want to quit but i need my days to sleep to eat to shower to you know run errands to do whatever mm-hmm. and that all happened this season i think that's probably the moment when i was just like wow i'm actually doing what it is that i love to do wow. and making enough money to support myself and my family mm-hmm. all my bills are paid my student wow. loans from school are like i'm you know what i mean it's like it's it sounds so like i'm adulting gross But it's, but it's true, you know, I'm 30 and I'm starting to think about these things in a different context and starting to reevaluate what my idea of success is because when I was 21, success was selling out Madison Square Garden, doing Beyonce, you know, and my idea of success now has changed to the point where all my bills are paid. My rent is paid. I Mm -hmm. don't have to worry anymore about where I'm going to lay my head how I'm going to get food. I'm not worrying about that anymore. And I'm doing it, doing what I love and making people happy in the process. And obviously, yes, I still want the fame. Don't get me wrong. I still want the fortune. Don't get me wrong, girl. But (laughs) I am coming to terms with the fact that what I'm doing is successful. People come to my show because they saw me at another show and they're like, I want to see you again. And people are telling their friends... Or coming to Provincetown with people that have never been to Provincetown before, and they're like, "We have to see you." I'm bringing my friends to see you. That to me, I was like, "Ooh,
1: okay, well, <laughs> not mad." I really, really enjoy that definition of success. I'm wondering, you know, like right now, you're a working musician and drag artist, and summer is your busy season. Oh, yes. Like Provincetown is a huge, like is is a huge vacation community. And so many people are coming in from the spring through the fall. Mm-hmm. What is a day in your life like right now during the height of the season?
0: For me, a day is seven thirty, eight a.m. Wake up, shower, make breakfast, and then answering emails, texts, phone calls, and basically planning what the next week to two weeks is going to look like show-wise because every show Mm -hmm. is different and I have shows from Sunday to Saturday, essentially. And it's just figuring out what event is that day or events, what normal gigs that I have, depending upon what day it is and where those gigs are and Mm -hmm. what time, and then figuring out costuming, hair, makeup, which I do all myself. And then the whole day is basically spent... Steaming out costumes, packing everything, figuring out what costume changes are going to work, figuring out what songs are going to work, depending upon what the event is. And around five, 6 pm, start getting in drag. and then from like seven on is just in drag in the community, in the town, performing, And then Mm -hmm. once I'm in full drag, it's almost like, I imagine it, or I kind of like want to equate it to like becoming like a Disney character at one of the amusement Mm. parks. You are on. Yeah. You're on. And it's the celebrity of it all is, oh my God, Kaya. Oh my God. You know, this is great. Oh my God. Hi. Oh my God. My friends are introducing. Oh my God. You look so beautiful. And it's just, you're on until you get back Mm -hmm. home. And so that, especially nowadays, the time of being on is getting longer and longer and longer. And there have been some mm. days where I've been in drag from nine in the morning till 1 a.m. the next morning.
1: From 9 a.m. to 1 a.m. That's a long time to be in shapewear. Oh, yes. of this. Six pairs stuff. of tights,
0: a corset, a shaper, the bra-panty combo, and then you add mm-hmm. a stiletto, five, six-inch stiletto, hair, full face of makeup, and then on top of all that, you know, a gown or a jumpsuit or something. And it is it is sucked in Hot. and pushed up and poked yeah. out for hours.
1: But I do it because I love it. It comes through. It comes through in, like, your work. It comes through in how you you talk about your work. To switch gears a little bit, like, I want to talk a little bit more about, like, your artistry and how you think about it. And also just how you think about the genre, like, of drag performance and everything like that. So on Welcome to Provincetown, I I heard you once refer to yourself as a singer who likes to do drag and perform. Why is it important that you make that distinction in describing yourself?
0: Because for me, drag, I feel like, is more like an accessory does it gets a bit complicated to explain, but singing is what I knew first singing is how Mm -hmm. I started. And that has always stuck with me. And the level of musicianship is what I pride myself on the -hmm. fact that I know how to work with a live band, the fact that I know how to conduct an orchestra. I went to school for it. Mm -hmm. And so that is why first and foremost is why I say what I say about being a singer, because it's what I am. Mm -hmm. And then after that comes everything else. The also can play piano or also can dance or also can act or also can do drag. At the end of the day, if for whatever reason I decided I don't ever want to do drag ever again, Mm -hmm. I can still sing.
1: Talking about performance and performance styles, something I've always noticed is just how much overlap there is between just Black musical performance culture, Black culture in general, Mm. and and drag performance culture. Talk to me about how you see those cultural histories and performance styles intertwining and overlapping. Oh my God. Well, what a perfect segue.
0: (laughs) I did a (laughs) Black History 28 Days of Drag, I think it was two Mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. And I reconnected with that part of history because I think a lot of people forget that in Black history, there is queer history as well. You know, Mm -hmm. there are the William Dorsey Swans of the world who did drag way back in the 1800s. We have Mm -hmm. the people that did the juke joint shows. We had the people that did the sort of underground railroad, speakeasy, cabaret shows. And yes, we had vaudeville too, but we had... Mm -hmm the black version of that which was amazing and i took it upon myself to sort of get away from the tv reality show spectacle of it all
1: and dig mm. really deeply into the history of what drag was how do you think about like intertwining black performance culture drag performance culture together in your own work like how intentional are you about bringing in those references, that history. You know, you mentioned Mm -hmm. growing up in the church. I grew up in the church too. And church for so many people is like the first place where you're writing plays, performing plays, singing. How do you incorporate like those cultural influences into your performances now? Uh, To be
0: honest, I didn't really do
1: that for
0: a Mm. while because I was so obsessed with what everyone else wanted me to do. This is no shade towards Boston, but being a queen in Boston that was performing, there weren't a lot of people, a lot of people that looked like me. So I Mm. felt a bit weird about doing like, even people like Whitney Houston or Beyonce or Shaka Khan, I felt weird. About doing that because everyone else around me was doing Britney Spears and Lady Gaga and Madonna. So
1: I, for several years, did that. Were you thinking that like they wouldn't be like into the music or like Boston's like that? Like they wouldn't even be into Whitney or none of that? Well, the thing is, I was like, what way can I work my way in
0: here that is palatable Mm. to. The audience that I'm trying to get Uh money from. And, you know, so I, when I did like Queen Latifah, for example, it didn't get as much money as when I did Mariah Carey. Mm. And that's just a fact. I'm not mad about it. It just is what it is. Uh, at the time, you know, being a broke college student was like, I need to make this money, so yeah. I'm going to do the Lady Gagas, and I'm going to do the Katy Perrys, and I'm going to do the... But then it got to a point where people were like, this doesn't feel like you, though. It feels mm. like you're putting on an act, and it feels like you're not able to... You're Like, you're not connecting in a way that mm-hmm. my fellow drag sisters were able to connect to those people, Maybe like four years ago, my apartment caught fire. So I was like, (laughs) girl, it was a whole moment. I moved from Boston to P-Town because the universe Mm -hmm. said, girl, Boston's just not for you right now. I don't know when it's going to be for you again, but it's not for you right now. (laughs) And we're sending you a sign. You need to go. Mm. With that move came the shift in my mind where I was like, I need to embrace my culture because I've been... Mm. I've been skating along the surface for too long and I need to really get into the culture and then as of 2021 with my gorgeous beautiful grandmother leaving this earth during Pride month mm. Mm. I was like I need to I need to honor her and I think the best way of honoring her is by being unapologetically black and mm. really really diving into all of the facets of blackness and black culture and queer culture from that point on i stopped thinking about you know oh i wonder if this song is gonna like please the people and i started getting Mm. to a point where i was like i'm doing this song because i want to do it so i'm gonna do hate on me by jill scott i'm gonna do oh mother oh honey it's in my show it's in my show i'm gonna Mm. do change gonna come by sam cook you know, I'm mm. going to do these songs. And you know what's so funny? The moment I started really investing in getting into that, the audience was, like, obsessed. Obsessed. <laughs> they were like, this is so great. I've never seen anything like this, and you are turning it out. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> You from Connecticut, wow. girl, you from New Hampshire, you from Delaware, <laughs> you are into this. And they're like, yes, I want to see this. I want to see the Black Lives Matter protests happening while you are belting it out. I want to see it. And I was like, well, I'm here to give it to you. Wow.
1: Wow. Yeah. It's interesting to hear your reflections about uh, being in, you know, some of the difficulties of being in like majority non-Black or majority white Drag circuits and spaces because, like mm-hmm. you know, so much of my own understanding of drag comes from growing up where, like RuPaul, was very famous when I was a kid in the nineties. Oh, yes. And so I immediately associated drag with a black person because that, arguably, you know, one of the most famous she was a super drag performers the in the yeah. world, mm-hmm. uh, exactly of all mm-hmm. time. <laughs> I guess also too because a lot of the. The mainstream depictions of drag culture, like when I watch, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race, I haven't seen many recent seasons, but when it first came out, I was like on it like white on rice. Yeah. And I remember seeing so many black people, but it sounds like, you know, like for you as somebody who's actually like supporting themselves daily working in the space, like it's a little bit trickier to navigate some of the racial aspects of working in drag. Very, because
0: I've learned. That a lot of people when they come to a drag show, they're not necessarily trying to delve into like the racial injustices of the world. You know, it's like coming to right. a drag show is like coming to, you know, a party. You know, you want you want to have right. fun. You want to forget about your troubles. You want to forget that, you know, monkey pox exists. <laughs> oh, child. <laughs> but and that's a part of our job <laughs> is to make you forget that. You know, part of our job is to make sure that mm. you have fun at the birthday party. You know, we're there Mm -hmm. to make sure that you have fun and that you drink and that you, you know, take pictures and that way you can go back home and tell your friends, oh my God, I had the absolute best time in the world. What I'm navigating right now is trying to make sure that that is still a thing that happens, but drop Mm -hmm. a little bit of truth in there and a little bit of current events, what's going on, just so that we're not completely oblivious to the fact that Black lives Mm. still matter, not just because everyone protested about it a couple years ago, they still matter. And that's what I've been really getting a lot of gumption to like keep making that, Mm. keep drilling it in there, keep hammering it in, keep making Mm. sure that yes, you're on vacation and yes, you're having a great time, but these things are still happening. And yes, I'm having fun, we're all having fun, but
1: don't forget. You know, to touch on, like, the mainstreaming of drag culture a little bit, like, in the last 10, 15 years, drag performance has become a part of mainstream entertainment or more a part of mainstream entertainment. How have you seen the exploding popularity of drag in the past decade affect your career?
0: It's been insane because of the fact that I think that people view drag race as sort of, like, the standard when it's the exception, You have to be exceptional Mm. to be on Drag Race. You have to be the top of the top of the top of the top to be on Drag Race. But because Mm -hmm. it is so out there, and now we have so many franchises. I mean, Drag Race may as well be X Factor or you name this country's Got Talent. Like, it is literally Mm -hmm. on that scale. I mean, even trying to keep up with, like, just the, like, review shows on YouTube, there's, like, 100 million of them. People have made Ooh. their own YouTube careers just reviewing Drag Race, and it's so awesome because it's let people know mm-hmm. that we're not clowns; we're human beings that mm. think and feel and have talent. And nowadays, I mean, it's not strange to see a drag queen on a TV show that's not Drag Race or in a singing competition or hosting, right. a, you know, a- an award show. It's awesome. But it has also made it a bit difficult because not everyone can afford... Mm. I'm just going to say not everyone can afford because I don't want to get in trouble. (laughs) But not everyone can afford those higher-priced garments, I'll say. You know, so Mm. a challenge for me as someone that is a legitimate working drag queen, actively working, Mm -hmm. to try to find the, the happy medium of knowing what my style is Being able to afford it without going bankrupt or taking out, you know, a loan. Right. And having it be seen as legitimate, quote unquote, drag has been um, a very challenging thing to go through. I
1: I wonder, like, what's something about drag that you wish newer or more mainstream audiences better understood? That we
0: all don't have the same budget. We all don't have $50,000. Mm. We don't have 100,000. We don't have $200,000 to spend on drag, okay? And one person gets that money. So even the people that are on mm. whatever show you want to call it, they only one person gets that money. So mm. if one thing I wish people understood, you know, a lot of times um I find myself holding back from replying to people that are commenting, especially on like newer drag queens. They're like, ew, this outfit is terrible and your hair is awful. And I can't believe that you wore that on the stage. It's like, well, bitch, not everybody can afford a custom made haute couture gown. Okay. Mm. We can't afford that. And if you want us in that, pay us. If you want to see me in a custom couture glass beaded you know, fully sequined, fully rhinestone, then pay. Give me money. Mm. I, I don't understand how you expect me to look like a red carpet Grammys gown award winning person if you're only gonna give me $2. The math ain't mathing. The math ain't mathing. The girl. math is not mathing. So that is one thing that I wish people that if I could send any message out there to anybody, tip your local girls, please. Because mm. for some of us, it's a hobby. For some of us, it's our life. For some of us, it's the only way we can pay bills. It's the only way we can take care of our families. And let me not say that I'm not grateful for it because I'm absolutely grateful for this position that I'm in right now where I am able to make money performing in drag. I'm very grateful for that. But it would not be without the people that tip and that
1: donate to the cause, you know? You know, looking toward the future, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of artists define success as breaking through to another level to a place that you're trying to get to we talked about you know earlier about how your definition of success like you're you, it's changed over time and you feel like right now the fact that you're able to support yourself pay your bills pay student loans yes for your art yes, that ma'am. is very
0: very deep who would have thought someone that went to college for a degree is actually paying for their
1: student loans with that degree crazy right that's amazing right? no to <laughs> amazing I have a film degree when was the last time I picked up a camera <laughs> it oh, <laughs> But, I wonder, you know, I we talked about like that aspect of success, like the security aspect. Mm-hmm. But what is breaking through? What does that part of success look like for you? I don't know anymore.
0: If I'm being one hundred percent candid, I don't know. Mm-hmm. i re I recently auditioned for something, and I did not get it. So I'm sort of in the throes of like reassessing my life and reassessing like the rest of my season, I guess the cliche answer would be like making it on TV, making it on the silver screen, you know, making Mm -hmm. it the traditional (laughs) big break of like, oh my God, I now have millions of followers on Instagram and, and, you know, and, and everybody loves me and I'm going to all of the, the award shows and all this, that, and the third. And I guess that is still kind of my definition of what it is to break through To just Mm -hmm. be on a platform where many, many more people see what it is that I have to offer. And I haven't reached it yet, I don't think. But it doesn't negate the fact that the people that do come to see my shows, the 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 people that Mm. all come up afterwards that are like, this night was so good. And Mm. I can go home. A happier person having seen you. I'm just like, all right, well, hmm. I'm not
1: mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mad about it. <laughs> Before we part, what's next for you? Well, oh, you
0: know, I just got an email for the Washashore Music Festival that's happening this Ooh. October in Provincetown. It's our second mm. annual music festival. It's the first time anyone, or the second time that anyone, has ever done anything like this. And I just got the email this morning, so that's why I'm like It's fresh on my brain. But it is a full weekend of local artists, queer artists, artists of color, and it's sponsored by the town, put on by the town, for the town. And I'm fortunate enough to be one of the headliners this year, and I, I, mama, I said, "Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes. I will be that headliner. Yes. That is what I'm really looking forward to because there's like Coachella, you know, South by Southwest, uh, with Washashore, the whole entire goal is to A, encourage tourism throughout the mm-hmm shoulder season, the fall and into the winter so that mm-hmm. we can, you know, live and thrive and survive throughout the winter, but also mm-hmm. to bring people that may not have gotten the opportunity to ever come to Provincetown before a way to come to P-Town and thrive and,
1: and showcase their art. Mm. Kaya, thank you so, so much for coming <laughs> to talk with us today. Like you, you you. You uh, really have something special. You really have something special. So I appreciate you taking the time. And as busy as you are, shit. <laughs> I appreciate you coming to talk to us. It was lovely talking to you, too. Thank you. Thank you again. My name
0: is uh, Q Y A C R I S T A L on all social medias. That is Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, um, Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, Grinder, Scrub, Jacked, <laughs> Black People Meet, Farmers Only, Christian
1: Mingle, <laughs> Match.com. You can listen to Welcome to Provincetown on Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. For Colored Nerds was created by me, Eric Eddings, and Brittany Luce. It's supported by a production team at Stitcher, including producer Alexis Williams, story editor Gianna Palmer, social producer Elise Ellis, and engineer Marcus Ham. Our theme music is by Willie Green. And look, y'all, we love hearing from you so, so much. So please shout us out on Instagram, at For Colored Nerds, on Twitter, at For Colored Nerds. You can find us everywhere, at For Colored Nerds. And tell your friends, too, We love it also when we're like, yo, my homie, cousin, best friend told me to listen to this episode and it was bomb. And then I subscribed. That's like my favorite song. So please do your your friend, do your community a favor and share an episode and tell us which one it was.